Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is simple, to spread the good news and the gospel to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you guys enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you. Amen. <clears throat> uh, thank you all for just another opportunity to come to all of you. <clears throat> um, just to recap on yesterday, um, we looked at Genesis 3, just Genesis 3. Um, because uh, to do a, a study on salvation, um, we need to understand what we need to be saved from. And the reason we spent the whole day yesterday on Genesis 3 was because so that uh, hopefully the Lord can show you the depth of what sin is. Sin is more than a bad action. Sin is, is, is inherently um, the nature of, of the devil being implanted in you, of pride, of you becoming your own God. So that's why um, Jesus died a horrific death. Um, he didn't die for just the atrocities of, of, of the Holocaust or the genocides, as evil as it were. Sin started in the garden with a fruit. You, you have to understand, God saw beyond all of that and saw the depth uh, of what sin could do before we saw it play out in human history. He saw the root of all evil and it was implanted in man. So we, when, you, when you need to understand salvation and um, uh, Yeshua in Hebrew, is, is, it means salvation. Uh, so uh, it's, it's amazing. His, his name actually, uh, the Lord's name and Joshua is a derivative of that. It means salvation. So tonight is, is a very special night because um, I believe we're, we're just going to be highlighting the gospel. The gospel for us as some of you might be Christians, some of you might be from maybe a different background, and, but you're going to hear about the gospel. The gospel means good news. And in order, in order to hear the good news, you, know to, you need to know the bad news because you need to know what we're saved from, all right? So um, Jesus just didn't die because humanity just did a lot of bad stuff. He died because of what sin originally did. Um, and that's why he paid a great price for you and me. So why don't you just join me with a, for a word of prayer one more time. Father, um, Holy Spirit, I ask you, um, for revelation tonight, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, because Lord, this gospel, your glorious gospel, cannot be taught, cannot be learned. It has to be revealed. That's the only way you will change men's hearts. So I'm asking you, for your namesake, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would unveil your, the glorious gospel of Jesus Jesus, that you, you would be unveiled tonight. The beauty of who you are would be unveiled through the preaching of a frail man. And the Holy Spirit would just bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And that uh, many of us who might, might have never understood what it means to be saved, to understand what it means um, for you to save us. So I, I give you uh, the glory. I give you the highest honor. And I th thank you for everybody that's on the line tonight. And I plead the precious blood of the Lamb. And I just pray against distractions. And I pray that no weapon formed against us will prosper. So I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm going to, it's very hard to speak about the gospel in just one setting because so, the whole Bible is about the gospel. So I'm going to go around a lot of different passages and highlight them. 
and um, just pick out. And I, I'm going to try to move in a, in a certain pattern so you can understand where we're going to land um, in the New Testament. But even as I shared my testimony, <clears throat> you know, I thought that I thought the gospel of being saved was me trying to work and earn myself into God's favor. I had bondages, I had addictions that I could never break off, and I tried the hardest to break it off. But I didn't realize that when I, when I fully understood by revelation of the gospel, those things broke off naturally. I, I repented without realizing I was repenting because something changed in my heart. Um, and that's what the gospel does. It changes men's hearts. So when you, when you realize, and, and this is what I want to say, the gospel Salvation is fully the work of God alone. It's, it has nothing to do with you. You have to understand the gospel. The, Jesus, the gospel he preached, has nothing to do with your merit, your whatever you did, whatever, however good you are, has nothing to do with that. It's fully based on what he did. And when you understand it, it will bring great change. So we looked at um, the sin in the, in, the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden and... Uh, and, uh, and they, the, the children of Israel was called by, um, by Abraham, was a, the, the nation of Israel was formed. Then you have Moses who gave the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And the law was given um, as, a, as a moral compass, as a guide to live by. Um, and we just celebrated um, the, the, the Feast of Shavuot this Sunday, or what you call Pentecostal Sunday. So I, I just wanted to throw this in there. This Sunday was globally recognized by the global church as Pentecost Sunday. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's called the Feast of Shavuot. So on the 50th day from the Exodus on Mount Sinai, Moses brought the Ten Commandments. And on the 50th day from the death, burial, and Christ, on the upper room, came the Holy Spirit. So every Jewish festival was fulfilled in, in, um, in the New Testament in Christ. So... On the, fit, on, the, on the day of Pentecost, the Ten Commandments came under the, uh, under the Old Covenant. On the day of Pentecost in the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit came because we're under a new dispensation. We're under a new covenant. Um, so under the law, I, I just want you to understand this. Under the law, when, when the Ten Commandments came, you know, I think you all know the story. There was a golden calf that was erected. And when, when Moses was about to bring the, the commandments, uh, 3,000 men died. Because God said, who's on my side? And the tribe of Levi put a, a, a sword on their sides and they ran back and forth in the camp. 3,000 men died. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 men were saved. Because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So I just, I just thought it was a unique parallel. that Under the, under the law, under um, a people who could not live for God, um, they ended up dying. Even before they even heard the law. So I, I just found that parallel of 3,000 dying and 3,000 being saved um, because it's the, the Spirit of God comes to save us. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to um, uh, tie in that parallel. So uh, the commandments came, the Ten Commandments, the 613 laws, and these were what the Jewish people were given. Uh, so you need to know that the law was given so they could be a separate people. And Jeremiah says, in Jeremiah 30. In 31, he says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, not like the covenant I made with their fathers when they came out of the land of Egypt. I will make a new covenant. So God even spoke in the old covenant that a new covenant was coming because these rules 
were meant to maintain a society, but they never could change the human heart. You know, um, and this is where I'm going to go through different texts, but Ezekiel 36 um, is amazing. Where it says, I will remove the heart of stone from you, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And it says, I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to keep my statutes and judgments. I will deliver you from your uncleanness. I will, it's all, it, when you read Ezekiel 36, it's all, I will, I will, I will, I will. Because God realized that all, for in order for a man to change, their heart has to be changed. So it's all foreshadowing uh, the new covenant. So we get to right to the new covenant and we go to John chapter one. And I'm just going to just highlight some things from John chapter one, uh, just to talk about what Jesus fully, fully did. So John chapter one says, uh, from verse nine, it says, that was the true light talking about Christ, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Uh, the gospel is all about receiving. You have to receive a person. And we all know uh, the most famous uh, verse, it's uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you realize the Bible doesn't say that, and it ties into John 1. The Bible doesn't say that God so loved the world that he sent a baptismal tank. Or, or the, God so loved the world that he gave um, Calvinism or a certain doctrine. God so loved the world that he sent a person. You are in relationship with a person, not a denomination, not a doctrine. Um, because doctrines are, it's good to understand. And, and baptismal tanks can never save you. It's only the blood of the lamb. He never sent water to save. He sent his son. He sent a person. You have to understand the person of Christ is who saves you. And then the next steps absent, happens. You have to have it in right order. So um, John chapter 3, um, it says, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So, so it is. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is talking about being born again. All of you have to understand, you have a, a spirit inside of your body. When you are born, that spirit is born dead. You have a soul. The, the, the body's, uh, your person, your person is composed of the, uh, your soul, your spirit, and your, and, and your flesh. Three parts, right? Body, soul, and spirit. 
So when you are born, you're born with a disconnected spirit because of original sin. You're born disconnected from the power source. That's basically what's happening. So Jesus is saying, those that are born of the flesh are flesh, but those who are born of the spirit, what is born of the spirit is spirit. When you come to realize what the gospel is, your spirit, when it understands the gospel, it becomes alive. It becomes awake. And it has to happen internally. So John chapter 1 says, to many as received him. So remember, the gospel is all about receiving. You have to receive. You have to receive the person of Christ. Not a denomination. Not a doctrine. You have to receive a person. It's a person. And so I'm going to move um, through the New Testament. But Jesus said something at, at, at his um, death in John chapter 19. One of the last statements he said is, it is finished. When he said that, uh, Matthew's gospel says the temple curtain tore from top to bottom. And there was access into the holy place. So he said it is finished. He, he, what, what, what did he finish? He finished what you and I could never finish. He finished every legal requirement that God had given through the law of Moses. Jesus did what you could never do. Okay? So, on the cross, this is what Jesus said. We know, that, we know the passage in Isaiah 53, right? Where it says, um, he was bruised for our iniquities, right? And so, I'm going to explain to you what happened on the cross and explain to you what the work of salvation is. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. There's a lot of things that happen there. We, we quote this. So I'm going I'm I'm to just go, just... Um, Principle by principle. Jesus was wounded for transgressions. Any, so these are three parts that happen. You know what transgression means? Transgression is not the same word for iniquity. There's, there's three um, word uses for the word sin. In the, in, the, in the Old Testament, David talks about, you, get, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Oh, what does that mean? So sin is broken down into three parts. Transgression, iniquity, and then it's called sin. Missing. Sin is called missing the mark. So Jesus did a lot on the cross. When he said he was wounded for our transgression or pierced, your translation says pierced, okay? Transgression means willful rebellion. Knowing something that's wrong and doing it anyway. So when he was pierced for your transgressions, he was pierced for your willful sin, your willful rebellion. And that, that's an external act. He was pierced for it. But... but Go to the next part. He says he was bruised for your iniquity. You know what iniquity means? Guilt worthy of punishment. It's something that happens internally. And what, what hap- where does bruising happen? It happens internally. So when Jesus was bruised, he was bruised for the guilt that you carry. So he was, he was pierced for your willful sin. And he also took the guilt of iniquity out of your heart because bruising happens. Bruising happens internally. Wounding or piercing happens externally, right? So on the cross, Jesus took the weight of your guilt, your, your iniquity. 
And he took the piercing for your willful transgression. And it says that the chastisement for our peace was upon him, or the discipline, that Jesus was disciplined, he was chastised, and that by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes, by his stripes we are healed. So to focus on today, we're going to, uh, majority of what I'm going to focus is on, on Romans. So what, what is the good news? What does that mean for us? What does the, the law that was given through Moses, uh, Jesus coming, the way he did, dying the way he did, what does that mean for you and me? Okay, so let's look at John, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified, meaning no one can work their way into justification. Is a, is a big word, is one of the big words today. It means a right standing before God. Okay, and Paul is saying, no one can have a right standing before God by their own works. No one. What distinguishes Christianity from other, every other world religion is that one person did the work, and we ha all have been imputed that work. Every other religion, they're all trying to do the work. Christianity, one person did the work, and you are the benefactors of his work. You are basically... Children who has a very rich father who left you an inheritance that you never worked or earned for. And most of us never, ca you know, uh, I know I could uh, jump around, but all of us maybe got a stimulus check from the government. That was something you never worked for. That's something you never earned, but it was given to you. But it's no use unless you cash the check. Salvation is a gift that's given, and it only can apply, be attained when you receive it, when you receive it into your person. So by the, by the law it is, is the knowledge of sin. Basically, the commandments, the purpose of the Ten Commandments, you know, all these things, when they tell you, don't do this, don't do that, it's to make you aware of how sinful you are. Uh, and I, I need to point that out, because many of us think, oh, you know, when, when our pastor says, uh, don't do this, don't, and it's good, we should call people to repentance, but when, when people impose on you, don't do this, don't do that, it only makes you aware of how much you don't have the power to do it. It, it should, as Galatians says, the law is our tutor, schoolmaster, bringing us to Jesus. The commandments are not something that you can fulfill on your own, and that's the deception. Many of us think, if I just white-knuckle my way, I can get into heaven. If I just fast enough, pray enough, read my Bible enough, I can become a better person. But no, 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 Jesus says that it's something he does inside of your heart that causes you to have a desire to do all these things. So we're going to go on to the next verse, Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. It's not taught. It's revealed. It has to be revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith, 
to demonstrate his righteousness because in for his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. But what, is that? what does that mean? Here's what Paul is saying. He says in a couple of verses before, he says, there is none righteous, none good, not one. You know, um, think, of, think of the most holiest person you know. You know some people could say, oh, Mother, Mother Teresa, my pastor at church. Uh, well, my small group leader who, you know, does, does this or this, you know, my, my grandma. Paul says there is not one righteous. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah, our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. If you want to understand this, if you put, and this is, this is probably a very stark understanding, but if you put the most heinous murderer and Mother Teresa and all, and, 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 and all these good people right before God, without Christ, they're all the same. All the same. Not one righteous. Here's what Paul is saying. No one has the power to become good. Nobody. And this is one of the first things we must understand to understand the gospel. It's, it's a term called total depravity of men. Meaning man does not have the power to save himself. Man, you don't have the power to save yourself. You know, I hear um, this phrase a lot, and I think I've used it in the past too. It said, you know, I found God at an altar call. Listen, God was never lost. You never found him. He found you, and you got awareness. You never found Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, you did not choose me. I chose you. The gospel has nothing to do with your merit. It has not, you have nothing. You have to understand the fact that you're saved is a gift given to you by God. And you have come to accept it. That's our free will. We have accepted it. We've accepted his free gift. So Romans 3 is saying there's a righteousness apart from the law. And, and Paul saying all have sinned. Nobody's righteous. Not Jews, not Gentiles. That means Moses, Daniel, David, none of us are righteous. All are standing before God and are justified freely. Justified, that word means, another way of thinking is just as if you've never sinned. Justified. In a court of law, when, when someone deems you justified, it means as if you've never committed the crime in the first place. So when God says you're justified, he's not even putting on you any of the things that you've done because Jesus took all that. So we're going to go right to Romans 5, which is the highlight of what we're going to talk about. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And go to verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that we're justified. Having been made right with God by faith, we have peace with God. And then verse, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For when we were still without strength, meaning you have no power, no ability, nothing in you to save yourself. When you were still without strength, in due time, it doesn't say Christ died for the godly or Christ died for good men. Christ died for the ungodly. What does that mean? He loved you when you are a mess. He saved you 
not when you cleaned up your you, not when you cleaned up your act. The gospel has to hit you in your most darkest condition. It has to hit you as you are. It has to hit you as you are. You cannot come up with a Instagram you or a cleaned up you. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel saves sinners. It doesn't save righteous people. Jesus said, I have not come to call the healthy, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, so, and look at verse seven. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. It means hardly somebody will die for a righteous man, someone who lives perfectly. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Meaning a good man is considered even better than a righteous man because he has empathy, has compassion. A righteous man can be seen as like a, a man who follows all the rules, all the regulations, but a good man is someone who loves society, who people love. And he said, maybe for a good man, Paul saying somebody will try to die for them, for a, take a bullet, right? But look what Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. While you were in, while you couldn't get it right, while you were struggling in your sin, while you were in the pig pen, Jesus looked at you and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Father, forgive them. While you were in your mess, Christ died for you. Romans 5, 6 to 8 is the centrality um, of the gospel. You know, I like to propose this to you. Uh, Mark chapter 2, you, you, when you see two stories, you see the, the story of the leper and the story of the paralytic man. Both of those stories preach the gospel. I don't know if you know that. When the leper came to Jesus in Mark chapter 2, he said, Lord, if you're willing, um, have mercy on me. Please uh, heal me. And Jesus said, I'm willing. And what did he do? He touched him. In the Old Testament, if anyone touches a leper, the leprosy contaminates you. Leprosy is seen as, you can see it as sin. But when Jesus touched the leper, his goodness impacted him. And the leprosy Jesus would take on, there was a transference. His, he could touch him because eventually on the cross, and this is a picture of sin, Jesus took your leprosy on that cross and he gave you his righteousness. Something you never earned. Because in the Old Testament, when you touch someone that's sick like that, you get the sin. You get the leprosy. That's why they're ostracized by society. It's like COVID-19. You know? um, but here's, and that's why Jesus was not afraid when he touched him. He gave him his, what was in him to him, to the man that was sick. And look at the paralytic man. In Mark chapter 2, when he was raised down to the ground, and he was paralyzed for who knows how long. He had four friends carry him. The first thing Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, I don't know if you know the parable. I find it very strikingly odd that Jesus, he healed paralytics and he, and he raised people up before. But this one, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. So I, I liken to something relating to maybe something he did or guilt bore and correlation to his paralysis. And then he said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. 
that is a beautiful picture of the gospel. This man was paralyzed. Whatever guilt he was carrying, okay, just think about this. In the Old Testament, in the, under the law, you have to, if whatever guilt, whatever thing you, have to do, you did, you have to bring a pigeon or a lamb or a bull to the, to the temple to be made right with God. Whatever he did, whatever guilt he carried in his life, he didn't even have the power to try to make it right with God. See, there's one thing when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, when you feel like, oh, well, you know, like a, uh, when you feel like you, you have strength to try to do something about it. It's a whole different scenario when you are paralyzed and someone tells you, son, your sins are forgiven. That hit that man differently than it would hit us because he realized he can't do anything about his condition. He can't do anything about his state. All he could do is receive the words of this master. My sins are forgiven. That's the gospel. The gospel is receiving something that you could never earn or do to change your condition. We are, that's why Paul says, when we will still without strength. Christ died for us. The, the paralytic, he was paralyzed in his sin, a paralyzed in his state. If I was a healthy man and went before Jesus and he said, your sins are forgiven, or if Jesus said that to a Pharisee, it would hit him different than it to, to the paralytic man because the paralyzed man realized all my life, however many decades I was in this condition, I could never do anything about it. And this is the first time someone has ever told me my sins are forgiven. So what was, what was the job of the paralyzed man? Friends, the paralyzed man is you and me. When Jesus says, it is finished, and when he says, your sins are forgiven, you have to accept. When you accept the gift, it changes. And then he said, get up and walk. Rise up, take up your bed and walk. And then the physical healing happened after. First it was the spiritual, then the physical happened after. So again, Romans 5, 6 to 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners. I really, when I, when, and, and Saul to, to Paul, you realize that, you realize that while Saul was a murderer is when Jesus called him. You realize that. On his road to Damascus, he was a murderer. Look at the grace of God. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Meaning Jesus had every right to condemn him, kill him. But instead of giving him what he deserved, he gave him what he didn't deserve, grace. And he said, Saul, you're going to be my apostle. And he changed a man because of the great. That's why Paul always writes about the grace of God. And we're just going to uh, keep moving. Um, Romans 5, verse uh, 15. It says, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if, uh, for if by one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God and by the gift and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment, which came from the one offense, resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. So I want to bring it down here. Uh, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So... We have earned something because of Adam. We have been imputed sin. 
the Bible says by one man's disobedience, not by your, you have to understand, it's not by your disobedience. It's by one man's disobedience, you are a sinner. You didn't just, sin is not something you just woke up and did. It's because of someone who sinned thousands of years ago, now you are born a sinner. And then look what it says. The same way, by one man's obedience, not by your obedience, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You know what that does? That takes the emphasis off of us and puts it on Christ. That takes all the work of salvation off of us and puts it on Jesus, that he did the work. So it's by one man's disobedience, all were made sinners, and by one man's, Jesus Christ's obedience on the cross, that all were made righteous. And we're going we're gonna to go um, right along because I know the, the, the time is coming. We're going to go to Ephesians um, chapter 2. We're going to look at the grace of God because that's what ultimately what makes our faith unique than any other um, religion out there. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to read a couple of verses and explain and try to wrap this up. And you, um, I have the New King James Version. So mine translation says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You know what grace is? Undeserved favor, unmerited favor. So what is, what is Paul saying? When you were dead, when you couldn't change your condition, God made you. He made you alive, meaning he caused you to come to life. When you couldn't get yourself to come to life, he, he did something with his resurrection power and changed something inside of you that we cannot not change. So when you don't understand the gospel and when you don't understand what Jesus has done, we try to change ourselves. But it's what Jesus has done inside of us. And by receiving that, he changes the inner, inner man, the inner nature. So, and Paul makes it very clear, while you were dead, meaning you were hopeless, you were hopeless in your condition, you could not change. It's, it's in your, might I say it, in, while you, you could have came to church with baggages, addictions, whatever it could be. And if you hear the gospel, that's the way I came to church. When you, when you hear the gospel with all your baggages, all your addictions, all this stuff that you bring with you, um, you realize that when you accept what Christ's love has done for you, it will change you. But you have to, you have to know that you have to know this. You have to know that God loves you as a sinner. I know that could seem very hard to understand. Oh, God loved you in sorry, my in your mess. God loved you while you transgressed against Him. God loved you while you spit on His face. God loved those people while they put the nails through his hands. He didn't love you because you started learning the Bible. He loved you as you were. And when you receive that, it's, 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 
I'm going to just read Ephesians 2.8. For by, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift. And what do you do with the gift? You have to receive. So you have to understand, like, like um, okay, here's the thing. And I want to highlight this. You see the woman that was caught in adultery. That's also the gospel. He said, he who is with, and the Pharisees brought in this woman who's caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said that she should be stoned. And they said, what do you say? And Jesus wrote, wrote on the ground and he got up and he said, he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then all of them went away, the older ones to the, young, uh, to the younger. And Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? He said, no one, sir. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go now, leave your life of sin. Meaning the only one who had the right to throw a stone was Jesus. And he said, I don't condemn you. Go now, leave your life of sin. Here's the thing. I believe that this woman, uh, and there's so much, I know I could, uh, this woman, her lifestyle of sexual sin was because of a heart of condemnation. You know, the, you know, the church says, sin no more and you won't be condemned. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Go now, leave your life of sin. We say, you know, get your act right and you won't be condemned by God. But the gospel says, I don't condemn you in your state. Go and sin no more because God will give you the power to change. You know, and John 8 and Romans 8 says, uh, Paul says, I do what I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Who will save me from this wretched condition? And then Romans 8, 1, the glorious message. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The first step in being free, friends, is realizing Jesus doesn't condemn. The Bible says God did not send his son to condemn the world. He sent his son to save the world. So when you receive the gospel and, we, and you receive it as you are, and Peter had a hard time with this. When Jesus wanted to wash everyone's feet, Peter said, no, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. What was he saying? Peter, I want the darkest, messiest place of your life. And Peter said, no, listen, listen, I, I am composed. I'm going to cover up those parts. You, you can't touch that. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, that part, you have no part with me. I want the, I want the messiest per, part of your life, and I will wash it. You cannot wash away your sins. Only Jesus can wash it. Right? So that, that also, everything, everything the gospels preach, everything, every story highlights what Jesus is about to do. When, when, that's why Peter, what I call Peter had self-righteousness. He said, no, Lord, no, 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 listen, I'm good. You don't need to access that part of my life. I'll just keep it hidden. And Jesus said, no, 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 listen, let me wash you. Let me wash you. He said, no, and, and then he says, unless I wash you, which is going to happen on the cross through the work of sanctification. And many of us find ourselves like Peter. So, you know, Lord, I'll give you this, I'll give you that, but I'm not going to give you that junk. The gospel, Jesus died for your, he already knows everything you've ever done and what you're going to do. So Ephesians 2, grace, grace is what, what distinguishes us from everybody else. You know, when, when you receive the love of God, when you receive his gift, it will do something to you. When you realize you are loved as you are, you won't stay that way. It, it, you cannot encounter God and stay that way. I had so many addictions, so many bondages. 
But when I heard about the gospel of grace, all of a sudden, I didn't, I, I didn't want to listen to secular music. No one told me, but something in my heart changed. When God changes your heart, it just, it, it changes your spirit, man. And you all of a sudden, you will have this desire for him, right? So when, when the Bible says that he so loved you, that he gave his son, um, you have to understand every other religion preaches that you have to do something. So what does that mean for us? Does that mean we don't do anything? No, I, we do. We, we, are, we do because we have been saved, not to get saved. If you are trying to work to get saved, you have not understood what Jesus has done. If you, because listen, you cannot finish. What are you trying to finish that Jesus already finished? If he said it is finished, what are you trying to finish? It's not an incomplete work. He finished it. But many of us live like it's incomplete. And we're like, you know, I feel like I'm not right with God. Well, that's your feelings. That's not what the gospel is. Jesus finished the work. He said, it is finished. And, and, and Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this. I, uh, read Philippians 1.6. And look at the way Paul says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay? If God started the work in you, God will finish it. If you started the work in you, God won't finish it. That's, that's the stark difference between cultural Christianity and the gospel. If you white-knuckled your way and you said, I'm going to do this, and I got promoted to um, youth leader, and this, I'm not knocking any of that, and you thought because you were these positions, it, it got you, um, you know, brownie points in heaven. If Jesus started the good work, it's his obligation to finish it. Not yours. So what's your job? Yielding, surrendering every day, saying, God, I can't. I can't do this. Only you can. So Philippians 1.6 is the same as the creation story. Uh, on the six, uh, until six days, he did the work. On the seventh day, he completed the work. So what, what is Paul using? He's using the same narrative as the creation story. Now he's saying the same God who created creation, now he's starting a work in you, another creation, a new creation. He's starting the work. And the same God who finished the work in six days and now rested on the seventh is now going to, the same God who now started a new creation in your heart. Oh, my heart is over here. New creation in your heart is the same God who's going to finish it. So you always have to ask, you have to ask yourself this question, who started the work in you? Did you save yourself? then you don't need a savior. Did you come to the foot of the cross saying, God, I can't. And I'm not going to work my way up. I am going to get on my knees and say, God, I love the, 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 the final thing, the, the, the thief on the cross said today, um, he said, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't have a chance to return all the stolen things he stole. He didn't have a chance to make it right with God. You realize that on his deathbed, on a cross, he couldn't make it right with God. He had to receive what Jesus, look at Jesus said, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the grace of God. Grace, mercy, unmerited favor. Remember every other world religion, um, 
it causes you to work. But Hebrew says we enter into his rest. His, not your rest, his rest. He already finished, the, the work is already finished. You have a stimulus check from heaven. And many of us are trying to work something that God gave you a free check for. And he said, cash the check and see what will happen. God will start and finish the work in your life. So friends, I wanna, I wanna highlight this again. You have to understand, if you, if you don't believe, as you are with all your mess, with all your baggage, I'm speaking to all of you today. Jesus loves you. And it's not a cliche. I, I, know, I understand the holiness of God, the wrath of God, the justice of God, I understand all that. He loves you as you are. He needs you to come to him as you are. He needs to wash you as you are. So come and bring your brokenness to him. Understand that you are justified by faith. In a court of law, when you stand before the judge, he say, you know, you have all these fines before you. If someone comes in and pays the fine, the judge can let you go. We had a fine that we could never pay. Jesus stepped into our place. It's called imputed righteousness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, we are, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, meaning I have been imputed. I have been given something to me that is not mine. Your holiness, your righteousness is not from you. It's from him. Uh, I know a lot of things going on in my head, but one more parable. The parable of the wedding banquet in Matthew. You know, there's a parable, there's a wedding banquet. All these people were invited. People came in and Jesus came to one, one guest and he said, friend, where are your wedding clothes? And he looked at him, he was terrified. He said, oh, I didn't have an answer. And he told him to kick him out. And, he said, and, and the parable goes, it, it was highlighting this one thing. Wedding, what, is, what is your wedding garment, your wedding clothes? It's called the robe of righteousness, meaning he, um, he was around these people who were saved, but he never received the robe. He was around the Christian community and he got invited into the wedding uh, banquet. But, but the Lord came to him and said, where are your wedding clothes? Meaning, where is your robe of righteousness? Not because you're a group of a Christian community. Where, where is your faith? Our relationship with God is based on faith and faith alone, not by works. You are, right, you are made right with God when you believe that Jesus took your place. Whatever sin you committed, there's no sin that's too great. By faith, in the Old Testament, it's by works. You've got to bring a lamb, you've got to bring a sheep, you've got to bring a goat for the different type of sin. In the New Covenant, it's by faith. It's you believing that Jesus took your place and he took your sin and you received his garment, his righteousness. So, so know this today. You are loved as you are. If you, you can't come to God in a different, you have to come to him with your bondage, with your brokenness. Remember, while you were still sinners, Paul wrote that. Why? Because while he was still murderer, breathing murderous threats, Jesus showed up to him. It's not when he repented of his murdering. You that's the gospel. He didn't repent of being a murderer. And then God said, okay, now you're an apostle. And I love you because you changed your ways. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, through Ananias, he said, you are my chosen witness. Because he was set apart in his mother's womb. You have to understand, when you receive the grace of God in your brokenness, it won't leave you in your sin. It will cause you to come out. It will cause you to go forward. So no matter what you've done, give your brokenness to Christ today and let him set you free. Amen. 
Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Rate us and leave a review if you can. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for his voice, and we'll see you again next time, fam.